Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jimmy Clark. Uh, hello and welcome. You are listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. I am your host, Joey Clark. Be sure, folks, it's already blowing up today. Go to our Facebook page, the show Facebook page, the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Very simple and easy to find. Give it a like so you can check out what I'm listening to these days, what I'm reading, watching. And yes, of course, you can find podcasts of this show, the Joey Clark Radio Hour, at that page. So be sure to go on Facebook and give it a like. Now tonight, I want to jump right into it, into the album of the day. It's the very first album of an artist near and dear to my heart. And if you know me, well, you already know what this is going to be. His very first album. I think he was only like 19 years old. And essentially, this guy found him. This local manager found him. And so this kid is remarkable. So he went to the big three record companies at the time and said, here, listen to this track, but the other guys, we've got a meeting down the street, so you should probably meet with us first before we give the other record labels, your competitors, a chance to listen. Thing was, they had no meetings at all. But that managed to get them through the door. And by them, I'm, of course, meaning the representative and the artist himself. He really was an artist. Prince. And the album of the day I was listening to, it finally got this bad boy on vinyl. I believe from 1978. The album is called For You. And it begins with an acapella track by the same name. With Prince doing every voice. And there's this little, what the lyrics of this song is. My life with you I share. And I mean, that is where I'm trying to take this show. Because I honestly don't know where I'm going. I have been a hermit. For the last two, now going on three years, struck by melancholy and a natural shyness, I'm an introvert. What's the test? An INFP. An INFP. So I'm trying to find my way out of being in my little hermit hole. I'm trying to find new ideas, new experiences... To meet other people and learn new things about myself. Now, I've had some experience in this world, of course. I'm 28. I've experienced heartbreak and loss on a very profound level with a parent, but with a lot of, well, failed attempts at 
romantic love. I've had a lot of jobs. And that's where I think I want to start and continue tonight. And feel free to call in. What was your worst job? Because I've had some incredible jobs before I ever landed in this one, in this gig. My first jobs through high school and college, well, there's no real moral to this story I'm about to tell tell other than this. I do not like work for work's sake. I don't like drudgery. I want it to be interesting, fun. I don't want to be just spinning my wheels and doing busy work. I hated it in school, and I hate it to this day. I am no bureaucrat. But here's the thing. Sometimes drudgery must be done. Some days are harder than others. So if it must be done, if you must get out there and work in the fields or work yourself to the bone and break your back, at least let it have a good soundtrack. Now, these days, folks might be listening to music while they're doing manual labor. They might be listening to a podcast. But my first job, real job, was doing construction cleanup. Now, my dad is an engineer. He's a civil engineer at that, so not only is he courteous when he needs to be, he knows many contractors around the area. And many of those contractors build houses, lots of houses. This was before the big housing crash in 2008. So all these new houses were going up. And those contractors building these houses... Some without even a buyer in mind. They're just building up neighborhoods. They need to be cleaned as the construction's going on, obviously. And they wanted people who were willing to work for cash. And I don't believe I reported that to the IRS. In fact, I wish I didn't have to report anything. Because every year... It comes time, and I file an extension, I pay my taxes, and I build up a little bit of savings here and there, and I have to ask for folks close to me to help me out, and the savings is wiped out. How am I supposed to get by in this world? When, yeah, $1,600 doesn't seem like a lot. It isn't a lot of money. It is a drop. Less than a drop in the bucket for the budget of the federal government. In the trillions. And it affects me a lot. Drives me crazy that this government is doing so many things that I do not consent to. Things they claim to be important and things they claim, well, we just have to do it. And all sorts of waste, fraud, and abuse. So that's an overused phrase. But I was working for cash at 16 years old because I wanted a kick-ass stereo. It always comes back to music for me, folks. I thought, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, how cool it would be 
to have a kick-ass stereo in my Honda Accord station wagon, Crimson Red 94. Especially if I could crank it up to mind-boggling levels with Led Zeppelin's When the Levee Breaks. Or Good Times, Bad Times. Or Heartbreaker. Or the 25-minute version of Days of Confusion, Whole Lot of Love, where I can't... I think to this day I have hearing loss because of how much I listen to classic rock. But I needed that cash, so I drove... That weird-looking station wagon on many a muggy summer morning to construction sites around the city and got to work. And that job taught me very early on, I do not need to do this for the rest of my life. It was awful, back-breaking, back-breaking, and tedious, and dangerous at times. Rusty nails stuck up from discarded lumber, shingles, bricks, and drywall galore needed to be hauled to the dumpster. And anybody who's dealt with bricks and shingles knows that stuff, if you don't have gloves, gets all up in your skin. Dust and dirt were everywhere. I was sitting there thinking, this is pointless to clean this. It's just going to get nasty the next day. But there were also old soda bottles, pizza boxes, fried chicken boxes all over. The, but, you know, people are working on the site and they just toss their trash in. Knowing somebody's going to pick it up or it's going to end up as a glorified landfill. And I even one time found a condom. I didn't look into that. It was really weird. I made sure to get a shovel to pick that up with the dirt. I did not ask, why is there a condom at an old construction site? Anyway, after a while, my wheelbarrow and headphones became my best friends. Moving tons of bricks and shingles didn't seem so bad when, again, I had Led Zeppelin's When the Levee Breaks playing in my ears. Or the darkness, I believe in a thing called love. Or Stevie Ray Vaughan's cold sweat. And one day a drywall contractor took a liking to me. No, not in the way of finding the condom on the site, but no, just in sort of a, like a good, not creepy at all uncle. And he gave me this advice. He said, son, now usually when folks start talking to me by saying, son, I think it's going to go bad. I just, there's something about, maybe it's the way it's said. No, listen here, son. Said that way. It's not going to be a good conversation, but he said it in a loving kind of, again, very not creepy uncle way. Son, he said, stay in school or else you'll be doing this for the rest of your life. It may be an honest day's work, he said, and it was an honest day's work. It may pay well at times, but it destroys your body. That's what baffles me about people wanting these old manufacturing jobs back. I get that maybe you lost your job. You'd like a job that can support you and a family and that you can work at for several decades, but those jobs aren't coming back. Not in the way they once existed, at least. And why would you want those jobs? It does destroy your body. It leaves you tired at the end of the day. 
And it doesn't make for the greatest home life. So I listened to that drywall contractor and I said, well, I think you're right. This is very tough. It is an honest day's worth work. It's worthwhile. It's fun. It's easy to sort of make this a like a movie with a soundtrack, having music in my headphones, but I realized there had to be a more enjoyable way of making money. There was, but I, my next job taught me there are some things too good to be true, and that some jobs are a straight-up scam. I worked at a store called Hollister. Stupid California-style clothing. Hardly anybody in California actually wore. Let's get Alabama-style clothing. What's that going to be? Fishing shirts and jeans? Camo? And it was overpriced at that. Shrunk in the wash. But here's the thing. Hollister would give me enough hours in order to make enough money to pay for the clothes I was required by the job to wear on the clock. So it ended up where I wasn't making anything. And I quickly learned the beauty of giving an employer two weeks notice. And that's when the real fun began. You see, after quitting that retail job saying, Mom, Dad, it's a scam. My parents harangued me to find another job. It was my junior year in high school. And I wanted to focus on school and sports, especially football. But my folks pushed me anyway. Literally, one Saturday afternoon, they pushed me out the door and said, don't come back until you have some job prospects. So I reluctantly drove around the city again in that weird-looking suppository-like station wagon. I did have a butt-kicking stereo, though. And I was wondering, where where am I going to stop? What on earth do I want to do as a high school kid? Then I saw it. In all of its glory. There on the horizon, driving down Atlanta Highway, right before Taylor Road. It was a big sign, all lit up in different colors. And it said, Fun Zone. I pulled over and went inside, and they hired me on the spot. And asked if I knew any other people at my school who wanted to join. So me and a few of my friends jumped over, and we all became employees at the Fun Zone. Now, for those of you locally who don't know, I'm sure some of you do, Fun Zone had a skating rink, an arcade, a rock wall, bumper cars, a roller coaster simulator, a trampoline basketball game, a massive so-called soft play playground akin to what you may find at McDonald's, ball pit and all. I started off as a game attendant. Putting kids into harnesses for the rock wall or strapping them into the bumper cars. It was easy enough at first. But then I began to notice... (sniffs) No, I wasn't doing coke in the bathroom. Cocaine, no. No, I I noticed the smell. The smell. You might recognize the smell from, say, an elementary school or a YMCA... That sort of throw up in urine and the salt dust they put on the urine and Clorox. It was this odd, terrible smell. 
Did you know that children, as innocent as they may be, as adorable as they may be, as wise beyond their years at times they may be, children often stink and are petulant for no reason. Well, I've come to learn, by the way, that adults can sometimes just smell and be petulant for no reason, but let's not get into that. I can't tell you how many times at Fun Zone I was told something about poop. Guess poop. I don't want the story to go too scatological, but this is the truth. Kids pooped in the ball pit. Kids pooped on the sidewalk. Kids pooped their pants. And when they weren't pooping their pants, they managed to find all sorts of other trouble. I mean, one little girl, I'm sitting there putting, watching kids on the bumper cars. And a little girl comes up to me and says, hey, mister, um, yeah, I think somebody pooped in the, in the tunnels, the soft play tunnels. I'm like, somebody, how do you know? She's like, just come here. I'm like, turned off the bumper cars. And as soon as I stuck my head in the tunnel, went, yep, yep, somebody did. Right at the top of the tunnel. But then there was this one day, not to follow the example of the children, I had to go to the bathroom. Didn't want to poop my own pants, follow their poop parade. So I noticed something as I was driving myself. No, I wasn't actually in the car, but, you know, that, that, uh, that fast-paced walk. I wasn't clenching. wasn't that bad. But you don't want to be too obvious, but you want to move swiftly to get to the bathroom. And I noticed out of the corner of my eye, of my eye, in the claw machine, a lot of stuffed animals and stuff. All these stuffed animals, but there's this pale sort of human-like skin. And the reason there was this pale sort of human-like skin is because there was a small child in the claw machine, a toddler. He looked at me through the glass with surprisingly sanguine after thinking to myself, for a dollar you can win this kid, I quickly got out the barrel key and set the little boy free. And I learned at Fun Zone when you pay your dues, and you pay your dues, you don't have to continue to put smelly children into harnesses on the rock wall. You can eventually work your way up to where the air is crisp. To the top shelf, to the DJ booth, and game technician, which essentially involved me eating free food while playing music for the skaters. Occasionally, I would have to go fix a jam ticket dispenser or fix a game, but I was golden. I get to play music. I get to eat free food. I'm loving this. I get paid to do this. There are a lot of memories from that place. I'll have to bring on uh, one of my roommates, Jonathan, used to work there. I'll have to bring on several people to talk about our good old fun zone days. But I remember on Sundays, we would do our so-called old school skate. And there's this one guy, elderly black gentleman, who well, would sort of roll out to the center of the rink. And he'd look up me in the DJ booth right in the eyes. 
His eyes kind of giving me a challenge. What are you going to put on, young man? And so I put on love and happiness. Love and happiness. And he smiled as soon as he heard the song. But he didn't skate around the rink. No, he only danced into the center of the rink on these the quad skates, the old school skates. And it never failed to make him happy and me happy. Just little moments like that that stick with you. That for all the crap in the world, sometimes you have to remember there is such a thing as milk and cookies. There is such a thing as just dancing to a great funky song. And eventually... After working there for nearly two years, Funzum was hit by a tornado. The building utterly destroyed. Yet I still had a job. I helped them salvage some things. And it might have looked like a war zone, but it was still our playground and the owner's livelihoods. Still occasionally chat with a few of the folks who went there and worked there. So I go off to college, and after college, well, the first two summers in college, I would come back to Montgomery for the summers. And I worked two jobs during the summer. I worked one with the Parks and Rec Division here in Montgomery, and the other in the box office of the Biscuit Stadium. I'd work the city job from 7 in the morning to 3 in the afternoon, and then hop into the box office from 5 p.m. to whenever they didn't need me anymore. Usually about the 5th inning, 6th inning, maybe earlier. And you know what? Parks and Rec taught me the truth about government work, with a few exceptions. And there were days where we worked our tails off. There were people in certain trucks who always worked their tails off. But there are a lot of days... I don't want to give too much away to the guys working at Parks and Rec, but we hardly worked at all. I mean, we would make windshield time. There was this weird moment where we're riding in the car, and everybody in the car knows I love Prince, and Do Me Baby comes on the radio. And there we are. Grown men, or I'm a half-grown man, grown men sitting in this car listening to the Prince squeal and howl and... Then somebody broke the silence. I believe it was... Well, I don't know who it was. I won't reveal his identity. He might still work there. He said, man, Prince is the only mofo, and he didn't say mofo, he used the correct term, who makes love to himself on the record. And indeed, that is true. Prince is also the only one who really just, on his first album, knocks it out of the park. It might have been over budget. It might have been past schedule. But occasionally, at a young age, you would knock out these funk jams. And I was listening to this on my vinyl record player this morning. And it sounds so good from 1978. The album is for you. And here is the breakdown in the middle of the song called Just As Long As We're Together. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour coming up. Talk a little bit more about my work experience before I landed here on the radio. If you have some weird job you've done, no, not that type of job. 
some actual profession, give me a call, 272-9228. If not, I'm just going to keep telling lame-ass stories. I'll be right back. Joey Clark. Welcome back. You are listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. I'm sitting here talking about, well, some of my job experience before I ended up here on the radio. Honestly, I've worked hard. I've actually worked outside, done manual, tedious work, backbreaking work. I've done silly work, being in a DJ booth that isn't on the radio, the skating rinks. I've even worked at a donut shop. But throughout all my jobs, music has been the through line. Music has tied everything together. For instance, working at the donut shop, I remember working with Shelby. His real name, I think, was Patrick, but he called himself Shelby because he's from Shelby County. We used to love, both of us, Sly and the Family Stone in particular, Thankful and Thoughtful. Mm, Larry Graham on that bass. I love that damn album too. It's got skin I'm in. If you want me to stay, all great songs. But music's always been the way I connect with people the best because I'm a little shy. I'm a hermit, and I'm looking for new ways to get out there. And I think in the coming days and weeks, we're going to be trying to figure out the world, but I'm going to share more of myself. But I want to hear about your lives, too. You can do that by being a guest on the show or calling 272-9228. What are some of the weird jobs you have had in this world? What are some of the weird jobs you have had? And that is, well, Derek is called. I don't know if he's called for that reason, but what's up, man? Hey, buddy. How you doing? I'm all right. Hey, I found your Facebook page today. Good, good. Again, folks, yeah. the Joey Clark Radio Hour. It's that simple. There you go. Uh, you know, I've been sitting here listening to you. I don't normally get a chance to hear Greg on the evenings because, which I know you're the producer of, but uh, I don't get off work till about six. So I you have it. been, you know, you've been part of my drive time. Um, huh. the, the construction job that you had, my first job. I grew up in a military family, so you went to work at 14. That was just it. Right. And my first job, my grandfather got me. I was an apprentice to a, uh, a mason, a bricklayer. And basically what that entailed was uh, as he was laying brick, I stood on the ground and threw them up to the scaffolding where another apprentice was catching them and stacking <laughs> them for him to 
Uh, now, it's pretty cool when you're working on a one-story building. You don't have to worry about getting it very high, but when you got a two-story or a three-story building, you really have to build up some arm strength, you know, to uh, to get those bricks up there. Well, I, I would rather be the one throwing than catching, and that's not a joke. I mean, it like those no, bricks in your hand. I right? did the I did the catching job. It was a whole lot easier. You just had to catch and stack, and you had to learn the process. But much like what you said later was, uh, well, it was not a drywall contractor. It was a drywall supplier hmm. who took a liking to me again in a non creepy way. Uh, and I spent the next summer hauling drywall, and that was probably the toughest job I ever had, taking it off the truck, and you had to put 15 sheets in this room and 14 sheets in that room, and it's probably some of the most back-breaking work yeah. I've ever done in my literally life. Literally back-breaking. But those times, you know, they taught me a good work ethic, and through high school, I did fast and pizza delivery and a lot of other things, but the one thing that really... Uh, I don't know, submitted my work ethic was, uh, was the military and uh, going to the Army for four years after high school. So when I came out of the Army and went into college, I, I got out of there in three years with a 3.89 GPA. That doesn't matter, but I knew, just like you knew, that I wasn't going to do that back-breaking labor for the rest of my life, you know? And some people do, but it is... It literally ever, breaks your body down. It will, and and I I don't take anything away from somebody who who is a craftsman, but I'm I'm not that guy. I, I use my mind. I use my words. That's what I do for a living, and um, you know, those things taught me how to work, and then later on in life, I learned how to do the things that I do. You know. Yeah, well, and, you know, strangely, you meant we keep saying backbreaking. When I worked at the donut shop, it was called Daylight Donuts in Auburn. I don't think it's there anymore. It's, it's at least not the same ownership. And uh, that was surprisingly backbreaking work. Like, I would go home and go, why am I so sore? Because we didn't, it's not like some other donut places that all machinery. Like, we'd actually roll things right. out. And, like, hunched over that table all night, I would work the graveyard shift from, like, midnight to 8 in the morning. And we'd right. make all the donuts for the next day, but damn, man. It, it was better being inside. I'll give you that. What do you do these days? Well, I've done a lot of things in my life right now. I, I'm a government account manager for a, a car dealership, and I, I talk to people on the phone and order cars and wait for them to come in, and then I deliver them. It's, a, it's an executive position. It's pretty good. It gets paid well, but, you know, um, it's nothing that I was prepared for. I didn't go to college for it. Just I don't need a college degree for what I do. I, I kind of, I was in the journalism field for about 15 years and kind of worked myself out of a job because I was an IT director instead of a journalist, <laughs> you know? Right. But, um, you know, the thing about it is, and I, I've got a 22-year-old daughter who I've tried to instill a great work ethic in her and she has responded but, you know, I've tried to keep her away from that, you know, millennial um, entitlement, you know, attitude. But she, well, no, she just, Go ahead. No, she just has responded in so many different ways. And she's been frustrating. And she's, But, you know, being a parent and trying to pass down what you learned through what we've just been talking about to somebody else 
and to see them succeed, it, you know, it, it makes you feel really good. Yes. Um, it makes you feel really good that your life, no matter what, my failures, my, my successes, nothing else matters except what I've passed down to the generation behind me. So It is all about legacy. And I, I'm starting to slowly but surely learn that. I've, I've always been self-driven. I was telling my grandfather this this weekend. I've always been self-driven, but I have lacked discipline. Um, and my uncle saw that in me. My uncle Dave saw that in me very early. That, Joey, you get interested in a lot of stuff, and then you drop it, and you jump to the next thing. So maybe radio's the perfect place for me, because I can do all sorts of topics. But, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to think in that way, too. At 28 years old is my age now. It can't just be about me. It's got to be about improving myself and you know being self-sustaining so I can help others. But it's about a legacy that you want to leave, and none better than teaching your kids. I'm yet to be a parent, but I hear you, man. That is no, you, you got to be a parent. Maybe you will be one day. But I'm, I'm going to tell you something right now. If you don't leave a part of yourself behind, you'll be forgotten. Yes. I mean, that's all there is to it. Anyway, Joey, I love your show. You're doing a great job, brother. Appreciate uh, it, Derek. I'm looking forward to Friday and Monday. I'm hearing Greg's not going to be around, so uh, we'll see what goes on there. Yeah, it should be interesting, me doing four straight hours. Maybe I'll have a nervous breakdown. Hey, you know what really, really ticks me off when hmm. you guys do that without Greg? Does he lock the vault of all the sound effects? Because, I mean... Well, he has them arranged in such a way that really only he knows how it's organized. It looks oh, like God. a chaos. It, not to him, but to me, when I look at him, like, whoa. How do, he's so quick with the sound effects, man. I've never been around somebody. He claims he's never been able to learn an instrument. He treats this yeah. board with hundreds of sound effects like an instrument. It's unreal. Well, back in the days when I started it, in journalism and I was in radio... Uh, we used to have to do all that with carts. You think yeah. about that, having to feed a tape into a machine and, and hit a button and wait three seconds. I mean, you had to have your timing down perfectly. But um, I'm sure it's a lot better now when everything's digitized. But anyway, brother, you have a good evening. All right. Thank Enjoy you, Derek. You. Appreciate you talking to me and appreciate you listening. Let's go back to the phones. talk to Gene. Gene, how are you today? Uh, weird job. I once painted backgrounds for a taxidermist. You once what? Painted backgrounds for a taxidermist. So explain, I didn't know taxidermy required backgrounds. Like, are these like shadow boxes or things that... Well, the state had these glass uh, enclosures, and then they had the stuffed whatever. What are some of the animals like? Uh, well, one was a snake. Ooh, like a big rattle? Little yeah. yeah. It, it was before air conditioning, too. Really? <laughs> yeah. I kept the snake in the freezer for a while. <laughs> and it just swallowed a rabbit. <laughs> Did I get a prize for a weird job? That, I, you get the pride of me saying thank you for sharing that. I know that's <laughs> worth nothing, but you know, that is a weird job. So you weren't the actual taxiderm. What were some of the backgrounds? Like, are you trying to recreate their natural habitat? Yes, like uh, scenic landscapes for quail <clears throat> with um, dried uh, plants like Bacchol Espadiza, you know, little purple flowers. Yeah. All those things, yeah. Oh, but man. I did more normal things <laughs> after that. <laughs> and you weren't squeamish about the dead animals all around? 
Well, they weren't. I didn't have the job very long because somebody else wanted it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so it sounds like you didn't have, yeah, didn't have it long. Well, yeah. That is, I think you, you take the cake, Jean. Yeah, okay. And thanks a lot. Love your show. And thank you. You have a good night. Now, how did I end up here? Well, I was about to move down to New Orleans with my dad. Just find a job and whatever. You know, wait tables. Because it's a good experience being a waiter. Maybe work barback. Not bareback, barback. And before I moved with him, got a call from a guy named Dan Morris. Said, do you want to help on my show? And this is when Dan was still in the morning. And the producer of that show, well, one morning he said, during a break as we punch out of it and hit the commercials, guys, I hate to do this, but my stomach is killing me. Nature is calling. Joey, can you run the board? So yes, folks, it was because of a bowel movement. That I got up and sat in this seat where I'm sitting right now, six years ago. I started answering the phones, going in and out of break. And then when Dan moved from noon to three, I was asked to produce for him, to answer phones and to run his board. From there, Greg Budell said, hey, can you answer my phones? And of course, before too long, I started opening my big opinionated mouth. It's a weird job that I do here. Because right now in this room, I'm by myself. Not every show. Not every night. But I know I'm not by myself at the moment. There are people out there listening, like Gene and Derek. And really, I could do this job without my BS in political science from Auburn. But it has helped me for a little while. And after Greg had me answer phones with him and I talked a little bit with both Greg and Dan, I remember Greg said, give this kid an opportunity. And I will be forever grateful to Greg Budell for that. To do his own hour here, just as a tryout to see if he could guest host for me. And I think I came into that show with Muse's Plug-In Baby. This had to be about five and a half years ago. I was on a big Muse kick. Man, I haven't listened to this in years. But again, it's always been about the music for me. Maybe to a fault. Where I just want to sit back and listen to music. I don't want to actually do the job. But I sit here six years later. Sitting in front of this microphone. Here on News Talk 93.1 FM WACV. Dan is still noon to three. Greg is still three to six on happy hour. And though my political beliefs have changed... Oh, they've changed a lot. I'm not a Republican. I am not a Democrat. I am definitely not a conservative or a progressive. 
my liberty-loving ways have fully bloomed. And though I get depressed at times, though I get frustrated at times, though life can really be awful at times, as we all know, I love what I do. I don't always know what I'm doing, but I love it anyway. Though I may be this libertarian, don't even call me that, just call me Joey. This individualist working in the weird and wacky world of conservative talk, I'm trying to change these airwaves at least one hour at a time. It's not a knock on everybody else. It's just I want to be me. I want you to share in this journey. Though I often disagree with some of the things that are said on these airwaves, I agree with some, but I often disagree with some of the policies or the sentiments shared. My coworkers, my colleagues here, and you, the radio audience, have become a second family to me in many ways. As always, there will be a good soundtrack. A mix of classic rock, soul, and pop, and funk. Even a little classical music thrown in, and some jazz, too. And every day you might hear that I end the Dan Moore show with the opening lines of The Who's Bob O'Reilly. And when I hear those lines, the reason I continue to play that song is that those lines often take me back to the memories of cleaning up construction sites and chalking ball fields and flowering dough on donuts and walking neighborhoods for a political campaign. Out here in the fields, I fight for my meals. I get my back into my living. Well, these days, my back's feeling fine. It's not broken, really, at all. I'm very lucky. I'm not saying that to rub it in. I'm just thankful. Tomorrow night, we'll be having Skipper on. You might know him from The Vault, 1071 The Vault. We'll be talking about, well, music and old radio stories. Tomorrow I'll reveal the album of the day, though I already have it in mind. But the album of the day today is once again Prince's For You, his first album, his first get-go. My life with you I share. Some, t- some days, sometimes it'll be fun. Sometimes it'll be sad. Sometimes it'll be meh. Joey's not in a great mood today. He's not in his top form. But you can always guarantee there'll be music. This song off for you, I'm Yours. It's the one rocker on the song. A small kid in Minneapolis who could play guitar just as well as Santana. And he shows it off here on this song, I'm Yours. Well, Montgomery, those listening online, I'm yours. Stay tuned. Thank you so much for listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Be sure to like our Facebook page. We've only just begun. Joey Clark.